experiences with my peers in the Pacific Northwest. Not only was it a reprieve just to get out of the insane heat of Southern Arizona, but uh, just to be able to, uh, you know, sort of congregate um, with all different types of musicians, guys that I've interviewed, maybe met for the first time in person or had met before, but then ultimately engaging on the bandstand takes on a whole new level. And, uh, Came back full of energy and uh, got sort of through the sonic expansion and of the music. It took away the malaise. Now I'm back sweating in the heat, but I still feel pretty good. And I get a chance today to speak to a, a really dear friend and uh, a guy who uh, made an impact on me immediately just by his generosity, his ability to converse instrumentally with some of the heaviest cats in the world and uh, with an eye towards the future but always still trying to stay in the moment. John Maylander, welcome back to the Jake Feinberg Show. Hey, Jake. Great to be back, man. So good to hear your voice, brother. Um, can you talk about how much you consider the collective experience of music um, group therapy? Man, that's, that's totally what it is in a way. Um, we're all kind of searching for that, like, kind of, it's undefinable, I think, but that space when there's all this nonverbal communication and you're working out things from your non-music life through the music and working out thoughts and feelings and, um, but collectively it kind of, can reach this place if everybody's on the same wave where you're just it's almost like an out-of-body experience and it's it's rare but i think that's that's what a lot of us are just chasing all the time can you talk about like because i don't see this with um a lot of the music or the musical performances that i uh go see per se but i have seen cats that um i mean you know it, it's like a the old aesthetic in, in jazz you know like you know what went on that day in your own life you know did you have to pay child support did your wife yell at you did you get a fender bender um i don't know do you lose power like the point is that like the question is early on um if you were having kind of a a, a melancholy day uh Sometimes I see musicians get distracted by that instead of being able to sort of put that into the conversational part of the music. Mm -hmm. And I just wonder, like, for you early on in your playing life, especially when you started playing with other people, were you more distractible by other things, uh, uh, you know, either a rough day or just um, – were you unable, did you, have you become better versed at being able to incorporate your stories, no matter what's going on, good or bad within the group? I think all that kind of just comes out whether you intend for it to or not. Um, you know, you, you might be distracted on, on the gig from what happened that day, but even in that case, it's going to come out in the music, you know, one way or one way or the other. Um, I don't know. It's hard to, it's hard to practice doing that. Like just trying to be mindful of the moment is really the, the best way to just be aware that you're working through those things. But I, 
Man, it's hard to say. No, but I mean, like mindfulness, like at 14 is not easy. I mean, it's not like most people have not cultivated, you know, sort of that meditative stance. I just wonder, like when you were, if there was a point in your career where, you know, you just started to um, lean into, because I mean, sometimes you're in pain, you know, it could be like psychic pain or emotional pain or uh, even physical pain and, or you're sick and you all you can think about is just getting through the gig and that oftentimes is some of the best playing people ever do but really like mm-hmm. um or have you witnessed people that have allowed the distractions of their life to take them out of their uh mindfulness on the bandstand i i just to me like to me it's like i come back and after all that rhythm and healing and just uh i am more patient i mean it's almost just like uh someone reached inside my soul and pulled out all the darkness you know and it was it's gone at least temporarily yeah Um, and i just from a musician's point of view i mean you guys do it especially when you're on tour night after night but i have to believe that some of that ability to tell your story even if it's a a, a hard story or you know just maybe personally in the band you're not doing so well with another person um I, this is just stuff that hangs me up and i wonder if it was something that you had to work on or just because you're just such a easygoing cat that this stuff just sort of has always kind of rolled off you and you've been able to just channel it through the music well i'll always hope to channel it through the music i, I think it's really I'm I'm just thinking about when when that started becoming the intention with music right. uh, for me, and I guess um, a big part of it was like finding musical situations where it was all about that rather than solely about like performing, putting on a hat for you know being a certain person on stage and putting on a show, and the intention became more creating music in the moment that happens to be in front of an audience. Um, so just that kind of intention shift. Um, it's still important to share that with an audience, but it's also, I think an audience, at least what I like to see as an audience member is a band musicians, like working out their shit on stage or working through something or reaching for something new. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, I've definitely experienced this in different musical contexts and seen it with bandmates in different situations, um, where maybe there's like some conflict happening in some way in personal lives or between two musicians. And then all that stuff is just worked out on the gig without Mm. having to say a word. That's freaking awesome. And even I mean, like, without 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 mentioning names or anything, can you talk about like like an experience where people were like either at each other's throats or there was just like this drama and it was pretty unnecessary, but because they were actually really good friends, mm-hmm. and then they solved that problem just through intercommunication on the bandstand. Yeah, I mean, even you know, sometimes like playing with anger is is part of that. Like you know, it's a it's a way to like peacefully direct some energy in, in at someone and like in in almost be able to laugh at it later mm. and you know sometimes like the darkest music is like the most healing sometimes um because it's like it's a peaceful platform to work out feelings and and difficult emotions that you can't really put into words sometimes um you do you do you remember like when you talked about um like it's just interesting i was talking to a younger cat this weekend at one of the gigs just a fan that was at the show and he's a musician and he was just like you know i was just playing this gig um and you know the bread was really good but um you know we had to dress up in suits and we were doing this for like some big tech people and it was about everything but the music. 
Mm -hmm. And, you know, and yes, it's a good paycheck. Like, yes, it does pay. It it helps pay the bills. But for really super, you know, for anyone that is an original artist, I think it's uh, kind of a drag. I mean, did you did you start? Did you ever have those situations or maybe even still? I mean, I can't see Maylander, you know, putting on a tuxedo just, you know, doing some (laughs) sort of some sort of like performance. But yet. People actually pay now a lot of money to see everything but the music. Taylor mm-hmm. Swift, you know, like, I mean, she's filling out, Taylor Swift's filling up a football stadium. I mean, and the tickets are going within a minute. And yeah, she has talent like, to a degree, but most of it's just a show. And uh, were you, like, and, 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 and to layer on to what we were talking about, sometimes when it gets that uh formulaic or when it's really not about the actual conversation of music a a real good musician's mind can wander or become disinterested or even resentful Uh, i just wonder like in your early on if you were ever like when you were like okay like this is like a good steady paycheck but this is not what it's about it's about the music not about the 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 show yeah I, I think there's always something musical you can you can find in almost any situation. Um, you know, even if it's the same set list every night and the same arrangements every night, um, that kind of, in a way, it's it's just a different window at the same thing. You can focus on improvising in other ways um, or just like setting new goals for yourself each night, whether or not the show changes much. Um, I guess it's a big difference in in just improvised versus non-improvised music. Um, but I, I think there's a lot of value in 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 a great show. Also, like it it's still it just live music heals people, and if if an audience is connecting in some way, um, you know, it's uh, the 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 messages you put out on stage, um, you know, it really it really affects people, even subconsciously, um, for better or for worse. Sometimes, you know, depending on <laughs> what what you're saying. I did. No, you're always looking up. I love the, the. No, you're right. I mean, I get. I mean, it is a healing force. I'm not. But just from your own perspective, were you in ever in a situation where? Well, I mean, do you still do, like? Outside of Hornsby, uh, you know, like, do you find yourself playing like big, big venues for big shows and and you still, I mean, you're able to witness that? It's just, for me, it's just so confounding to like, I was just hanging with my buddy up in Portland and he, his daughter was going to go to the Taylor Swift concert. And it's just like the, the idea of just trying to get the tickets themselves and like, I how know, quickly it goes and it's like what you know like she's making more she's grossing more on this tour than the gdp of a lot of countries i mean more power to her but i'm not sure mu- what, how musical that's much more of a performance than it is a, a concert per se that's uh, my that's, that's certainly part of it i I think there's a lot worse music out there than her <laughs> Dude, good like, call good call no, I, I did like there's it, like I, you know, I'm I don't listen to her, you know, but um, that much. But I, uh, I, I respect her as an artist, and I, it, you know, at least she's putting out a positive message for large audiences, and and writes her own material, and and actually plays, and um, you know, I feel like she's she's reaching in a in a way for new sounds and like her last couple records with the the collaborations with Bonnie Vare and and all that kind of stuff is mm. is cool so in a way it, I, I I think that's a positive thing there there's plenty of artists out there like promoting really negative messages that are you know that equally effective on an audience and you know that's that I have I take personally, but um tell me about that. Just because I know I, I I don't know, you know, we haven't known each other for a long time, but I do know you as just a very sweet, beautiful person. 
you do take that personally when there are messages of degrading people or cursing or or just just like hatred that's coming coming out right yeah i mean cursing's fine but like yeah just hatred it's i just it's a huge responsibility to to have a a platform at all with art and um Mm. It really matters what you say, I, whether whether it's improvised or rehearsed or whatever. Like I, I think the message you're putting out, even if it's not with words, it, it's really important what what you say because it really affects people. Um, it, like it, it's like live music's like in a way it's like a model for the way life can be in like a just a microcosm of people on on stage and it's the way you listen and communicate and show respect for one another um all of that like goes into a audience member's experience and um you know i don't people won't often come up and tell you this but i've I've had this happen a couple times and friends have had this happen before where someone comes up after a gig and shares something like deeply personal to them and how the music may have literally saved their life that night. And so I just think you never know. You don't No, You're right. Man. Who's observing how, how you are and how you're treating your bandmates and what you're searching for in the show and what you're putting out there. Um, you don't know how that's affecting somebody. So, I just think it's it's a big responsibility to live up to that every time you you step on stage and just uh you know you I think it's important to put out a message of of peace and kindness you know even through dark music sometimes um right I mean it could be sad it could be you know uh gut wrenching but it doesn't have to you know, I was going to say, like, I mean, like, I don't want to, like, pigeonhole certain types of music because I haven't necessarily gone and experienced it because it's kind of, like, jarring to me. It wouldn't necessarily heal me, but, like, death metal or, like, angry metal music. You know, like, I have a good friend who he's got really good chops. He's got good rhythm, but he just the only thing he's ever known is, like, this cataclysmic, apocalyptic death metal music and and uh and yet i feel that so many cats that have stuff going on in their lives that might be horrible might be abuse or just trauma from earlier in their life like even that anger even if the the messages are angry for that audience member getting stuff out of their system uh is still cathartic in some ways. It still yeah, keeps absolutely. them okay. You know, like, and that's the way I feel about him is that like, he's not taking those messages and saying, I'm going to go out and pillage. It's more like, I feel better now. Yeah. That, yes, you, know, like that's totally. all, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And man, a lot of the like hardcore metal people I've met in life are like the sweetest people off stage. <laughs> you know? Right. I think exactly, yeah, that, man. That yeah. is like you do work out like dark feelings in a peaceful space on stage. So, so um, it's just I, I'm curious about the last time I talked to you, you talked about a band that you wanted to take on tour of your own, and I just wanted to know like. Has that not not even if it's necessarily like uh, commencing, but whether it's evolved in terms of how you see the momentum of it coming along? Yeah, we've we've been working on it a lot the the past couple of years. We've had this monthly gig in Nashville. the The band's called Forecast, and it, it's kind of like a a platform for my original tunes and stuff. And it's really inspired by by Bruce and. Um, his band leading style and he he's been really encouraging with with me to get it going and um but yeah it's a six piece band so it's it's tough to take on the road um logistically but 
we have a, a few out of town dates in in October this year. We're, Get out of here! Where? Uh, we'll be at uh, Swanee Roots Revival Festival in sure. uh, in Florida, which that's I, I try to go to that every year. It's it's one of my favorite. They better places. give forecasts like a four hour slot. I know that's laughable, but I mean, it's, I mean, fifty minutes. These these festivals are great, but it's criminal how short the sets are. You know. Yeah, yeah, they're usually an hour at Swanee, and I, I think we'll have a couple sets through the weekend. So um, that's beautiful. Well, yeah, yeah, and it's uh, it's great to get to share it with with my bandmates too, because it it's been a really special spot to me over the years. And um, so we're doing that, and and then we'll play in Atlanta at Eddie's Attic on the way home, and then uh, and we always play at D's Lounge here in Nashville about once a month um i'm definitely gonna come but is it every thursday or the every second thursday is it different every month no it's different every month just when we can all get our schedule together um but yeah man would love would love to have you no i'm gonna come but I, can you talk i guess maybe not sure if we touched on this last time but um setting aside bruce for a minute like in terms of your own sort of um you know what is what are you trying to do not you're not trying to be different for the sake of being different but in this six piece unit what do you like what are you trying to get at that's going to allow you to cut above the morass of so you know we're saturated with so many bands um so much material is out there a lot of it's visual so many mm -hmm. bands that i see i mean i just came back um from seeing top level musicians and I mean, and they're just really going on their like first or second or third tours out of COVID and they've done so much other stuff as you have. And yet um, it's crazy, man. I mean, it's like sprinter van, uh, you know, there's nine people in the van, all their gear. They're mm -hmm. like, I don't even know if the vet venues will pay them. I, mean, I was there. The last night I was there was in Eugene at this incredible place, and there was very few people there, and uh, and yet they're 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 what they're doing is very unique, very original. I mean, it's original tunes. It's uh, they're not trying to reinvent the wheel, but it's just groove music. Some of it's bordering more on psychedelic rock. Some of it's more blue eyes soul, but. Mm -hmm. Uh, what is it about forecast that that you feel makes it stand out from you know any other uh, you know con acoustic contingent, so to speak? Yeah, yeah. We're we're not necessarily trying to stand out. Um, it's it's really been a creative platform for all of us the past few years, and and we made a record we're really proud of. Um, but the, that hasn't really ever been part of the conversation between us about the band, like trying to stand out in a, in a certain way or get attention. It's really kind of been a passion project and an artistic project for us. But I think the consistency, we've been playing these shows in Nashville and it's, it's kind of started to develop kind of a cult following here we see a lot of the same people mm. come out at, at every time we play and other musicians are coming to listen which which means a lot to all of us and um i, I think the the band is unique in in a way we didn't plan just in the instrumentation um it's kind of a it's a there's like a pedal steel and tenor saxophone and drums and bass and fiddle. And yeah, that is guitar. ridiculous. I've never heard of a, a, a contingent like that. And it, it wasn't planned that way necessarily, but it was, you know, we're all friends and we all have the same tastes in music, but come from different backgrounds. And um, it just, it formed really organically. Um, but it, we, when I when I first got it together, I was kind of thinking like a blue, a blue blueprint. I can't say can't talk right now. Blueprint. Right. You're doing fine. 
<laughs> kind of the um it was really inspired by like the Brian Blade Fellowship Band. Um Oh, oh, really? I'm like I'm not yeah. getting, well, I don't know that outfit. What I mean what what was inspiring about that? I mean, I just know him as like one of the the nastiest jazz drummers you know. Yeah, yeah, and it he he's had his own project for years with a horn section and um John Coward, this great pianist and um it's there's a like steel guitar on some of the records which is a, that just hit me so hard the first time i heard it like a mix of these really like cinematic um, melodic jazz compositions with like a there's like a country element to it and uh and same with bill frizzell's music like that that was a big um inspiration at the start of this group um just kind of like a combination of different styles of american music i guess um but yeah as it's developed it's it we've gotten a little more into like it, it rocks harder now i think it like with all the live shows we've played and and it's kind of going more into like jazz fusion territory oh no oh, oh this is trouble i mean because to me it's like this is great because um there's nothing better than you know you don't want it to be i'm not of course you guys would never have issues with that but uh you know there's nothing worse than something being obnoxiously loud and there's no dynamics but if you're able to generate sonic expansion just sort of organically through that group then all of a sudden uh as you continue to build this fan base organically locally you know all of a sudden you start to the conversations start to dissipate in the audience and pretty soon you got everybody locked in on the unit itself mm -hmm. what what makes uh what make gives what do you mean when you say there's there's country uh, aspects to the music um and it's real. I I guess just really in that steel guitar sound, right. the pedal steel. Um, and uh, yeah, I I come from a bluegrass background, and and our guitarist Jake does also, and um, so that's just like inherently a part of how we approach our instruments. And um, yeah, I mean, we it's it's the band is really fun because everyone's really well versed in a, a lot of different musical languages and but everyone's pretty grounded from like one background that we've come from each individually but we're all coming together kind of like reaching to do some of this music that we all love but like for me i, I don't i don't consider myself a jazz violinist although i'd, I'd like to be because like so much so much of the music i feel so close to it's all in the jazz world um but i'm i'm kind of reaching to do that even though i don't fully understand what i'm doing if that makes sense absolutely i mean but i mean i remember oh god it was the greatest one of the greatest interviews i ever did was with john luke ponty and he was um really he's talking about the, he's just on i mean the guy just was so uh, his whole story is inspirational as well. I mean, I listened to that interview. Yeah, actually. okay, that good, was great. Good. Yeah, no, and he's just, you know, the part that caught me was just like, you know, like, so in the height of like the bebop, I mean, the, the, the fiddle violin was really not relevant at all, uh, even though he was still trying to play in those kinds of bebop settings. And then he was, you know, try to just play Coltrane kind of stuff to two people in a, in a bar in France. And, you know, ultimately like you listen to him, he can play well, and just, you know, incredible messages and stories with, uh, you know, he can hit you with a lot of notes. He can draw you out. Um, and so at this point, like, you know, fusion, whatever that word means, I mean, it, to me that, jazz is a combination of all different music so mm -hmm. in, in your mind is it more like where you're trying to grow more is just the idea of um uh well you tell me i mean is it like i mean to me it's it, so it's it's a bass fiddle 
and drums. Is it so? It's a, it's still an all acoustic uh, group. No, it's uh, it, it's all we we all plug in for it. I, wow. I my acoustic wow. Model, but um, I run it through an amp with effects and and uh, same. Our guitar player plays acoustic guitar, but um, plays through an amp, and then. Um, it's a mix of upright and electric bass. He he switches off between, and um, our steel player also plays keys. So he'll he'll play like Wurlitzer and and uh, some synth stuff sometimes. That is so. Oh, I mean, to me, like, where are you? Uh, are you trying to just like expand your vocabulary or or? Uh... Tell me a little bit about like where you see yourself, because like I mean, the greatest bands that I mean, I'm not sure if you're hip to this guy Don Sugarcane Harris. Have, have you? Oh yeah, that? yeah, okay. totally. Like, dude, that dude is the nastiest, raunchiest player I've ever heard in my life. And the guys that I've talked to, you know, rest in peace, David Lindley, who knew him. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think that guy could read music. He was just picked up the 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 the. the fiddle and just went for it every time and it was blues based but yet it was very danceable mm -hmm. and uh you know when i think of the violin you know i it's just more of in a classical setting it seems like you know a, it's a presentation of your facility but i know with you you know to take that instrument into a fusion setting there's just not that many cats that have done that really mm -hmm. i mean jerry goodman uh, Sugarcane Harris, um, the aforementioned Jean Luc. So, mm -hmm. for you, where are you looking to? Because you're not playing Dizzy Gillespie tunes. I mean, you're not playing bebop. Bebop would be something that would be like very hard to, or you'd need to shed on that a lot. But where are you yeah, yeah. really looking to grow on? Man, I'm, it's hard. It's hard to pinpoint. Um, <laughs> Sorry, dude. I'm just it, rambling along here. No, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. You know, it's it's really like it, it's been a platform for for composing and and I'm I'm always always looking for like writing different kinds of like cycles or chord progressions that would just be fun environments for for the band to jam over um like just like trying to compose like interesting things that we can work with as a band and, and improvise with and talk about on the gig. Um, and it, it's all like influenced by this stuff I love, but it, it I, I don't know, I, 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 uh, it's hard to pinpoint. I'm not really shooting for like a specific genre, um, but it, it kind of comes out in, in that way. And on the gigs too, we'll, we'll we'll cover, it's usually about like 60% originals and, and then we'll mix in covers. Uh, we do like a Mahavishnu orchestra tune. Wait, what? What, 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 what uh, Birds of Fire or something? Or what is it? Uh, you Know You Know. Dude, that's my favorite tune. I'm not a, like I've interviewed all those cats and I love, I love Billy Copney's dear, dear friend of mine. He's been a big supporter. Johnny, mm. Jerry, Jerry's, Jerry blew, I blew his mind with our interview, uh, Jan Hammer early on, yeah. but they're not a band that I'm going to be turning to Rick Laird, the great bass player, my hero, yeah. rest in peace. Um, but that tune, there's something about that tune. It's dissonant. I don't know what it is. It's like almost like a raga based tune. You know? Yeah. It's like, it's rhythmically dissonant. At Thank more you. Than anything. It's it's so cool. I'm so dude. I need you need to send me some audio of a of, of a Maylander. You know, you know, because that's like oh. my big. That's my favorite mo uh, orchestra tune. Like oh. that, that's the the first cover we do that came to mind. We just played a couple nights ago at D's and, and oh played my god, so. dude! I would have freaked out. I would have seriously <laughs> freaked out. Dude. So well, how does well, it work? I mean, does that, do, 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 is it like a a democratic thing where you know? every you know you're only playing once a month but like on a tune like you know you know maybe clearly uh you know maybe one time one month you'll play that tune and the the pedal steel player will, will stretch out but then 
the next time you play it the month later, maybe, uh, you know, the sax player will stretch out. Is there, do you have, is there a need for everybody to have to have a solo or is it more like, hey, whatever the music's feeling, that's what we're going to do. That, that's what I, I aim for with our shows. Um, the latter. It, you know, it's, yeah, and it's, it's, I'm really inspired by the way Bruce leads his band because it, it's totally that way. Like not everybody gets a solo on every song, but everybody has a chance over the course of the night to express themselves like in a in a big way um and he but he's really good at directing traffic that way on the gig and and you know (laughs) that guy is i mean just following the muse with that guy man i i just i'll never forget well i mean my first thing that just popped into my head i mean yeah it sounds very self-serving and you're not this kind of person but i'm just like why can't forecast open up for Hornsby on tour? <laughs> and we, he actually, he had us out. Um, in... Are you kidding? I knew it. I freaking do. You know, cause he's the kind of guy who's like, Hey man, well, I'm going to speculate here and you can riff on it, but he's just like, Johnny, you need for your own salvation. You need to start, you know, be band. You know, it's important to become a band leader and grow and you need to play live gigs, but he's the type of guy who's like, not just going to, give you all this on this information and then just let you, he'd be like, you know, yeah. play a few shows for up. And that, that's the kind of, that's so beautiful. Oh man. He's, it, it, he's a big reason why I'm, I feel confident moving forward with the band and um, we weren't able to bring the whole band out just logistically. So, um, but we called it the forecast trio and it was just me and our bassist, Ethan and, and drummer Mark. And, uh, and I, kind of worked out like a a stereo amp rig for the for the gigs and so i was able to to loop um chord progressions and we did kind of a live looping trio version oh that is so hip man so how big were the vet were they were they like just kind of theaters and concert halls like it wasn't like cavernous arenas right no no it was like um you know maybe 900 to 1300 seat theaters i'd say and a couple outdoor gigs we did four shows with with bruce total and um but it was just so incredibly generous of him to offer and and it was really scary to say yes to it's like (laughs) you're like like like, yeah you would never forgive yourself if you didn't say yes yeah it was the kind of things like he we know we got to do it and figure out how to do this but it's it's like I guess we'll figure out how we're gonna do it later, and just. But we did it, and it was it was a amazing learning experience, and um, definitely it helped me see see the project as as you know something that that we can do outside of Nashville. As best you can. I mean, outside of him just being. Um, kind of a shaman musician. Uh, Bruce is a very smart guy, obviously. And like, you know, you said that he gave you, he sort of centered you and gave you the the, the wherewithal to, to keep moving forward. Not that you wouldn't have done it on your own, but it would have been a much harder slog uh, in some ways. Uh, it's always harder on your own. Um, I just wonder... What did he, was there anything that he said, it could have been five words, if Vassar Clemens could say five words, and I've listened, I could listen and talk all day, he barely talks, but when he said, he could say five words, and it's the most profound five words I've ever heard in my life, mm-hmm. and, you know, with Bruce, was there anything that just stuck in your, stuck in your soul, when, because, you know, you're trying to figure out where you're going, and he's, telling you what did he tell you that was so that was incentivizing enough for you to say you know i don't know if i'm ready for this but you're never ready for this and i'm going to go for it man no no words that i can think of but what it what really sticks with me is that every show we played he was side stage just intently listening to our whole stuff Wow. And and same with the rest of the band was usually out there too. And um and it, that's just we would all do that for each other. Like if you know, our, 
Bruce's guitar player, Gib, opened a few shows recently too, and we're all out there listening to him. And it's just, uh, just like an incredible support system in that band. It's really like a, it's something I haven't really felt many other places. But just that Bruce was listening to what we worked on and and uh, and supporting us in that way just meant meant the world. But he did come to you at some point and said, "John, you know, do you did he ever would he like casually when you first got once you guys got comfortable started to know each other he'd say, do you have a project of your own? What are you doing with it? I mean, did he keep on you? I'm not saying that, that it was like he didn't have to give well, any you know I mean like that to me is like he kept poking the bear so to speak because you know someone like Maylander like you know he looks at you he sees the grace the gravitas the talent but maybe somebody who's not totally all there in terms of uh you know believing that they belong but yet he kind of leads you along in that sense I mean I'm just curious about like the way he got you to believe that this could work before any of the shows yeah um well i had sent him um just a digital copy of our album when we when we finished it and just like you know i wanted to share it with him and he uh this, this is the kind of person he is like the literally the next day like he sent an email back with like a track by track um analysis analysis of this is unbelievable dude. That and, is <laughs> you know he's that was that was really encouraging and I, i've learned like i mean i'm i'm still feeling like i'm coming into my own as a band leader right now with this right. project but um just the confidence to do that has really in a lot of ways come through being a sideman in in bruce's band and um just he's he's definitely pushed my confidence as a musician as a whole at every show that I've played with him um so it you know it's it's what we started talking about today just the it's a lot of it's just nonverbal it's stuff you don't ever talk about it's all it's all in the way you communicate musically and Absolutely. I'll, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, like working out. Um, yeah, I mean, the more that you talk about something, you know, you could just wind up sucking all the soul out of it. What was there like, in terms of like the, the recommendations and things like that? I mean, um, was it just like, oh, wow, he really digs or he's like, he really did a hard listen on the music? Or, I mean, obviously, I'm sure the, the advice was salient. Have you been able to incorporate that? some of that stuff into the tunes and also like you know i mean i'm not going to compare you to miles davis just yet but it's like you know at a certain point uh miles would just like <clears throat> I remember rick Morata, the the great drummer was telling me that he'd go to the village gate and see miles band and was like <clears throat> harvey brooks and michael moore on electric and upright jack dejanette and Ayerto on drums and percussion. Um, but, but, but who else was in the band? Can't remember everybody in the group. But the point is, Miles would come out, play like three notes. The band would just like scatter to that sound, like rats going to cheese. And then Miles would just walk off the bandstand and oh, let yeah. them go at it. You know what I'm saying? And like, yeah. mm -hmm. I'm not comparing Maylander right now to 68 or 69 Miles, but. That's the kind of shit, I'm sorry, that's, to me, being a band leader is like, you bringing in cats for a certain reason, you say what you need to say, but do something in a way where you empower them to, I don't know, I, to me, being unpredictable is key. And I wonder about that, that word specifically as it relates to your leadership, uh, in term, because some people you're scared of. I mean, even Miles, you, you, you know, some people say you got to have a little bit of fear you got to fear them a little bit, you know, but in my case, I feel like in some case, and sometimes it's, it's better to be unpredictable than it is to be a, a taskmaster. 
And I wonder where you come down about that unpredictability thing, being that you're surrounding yourself with guys who can clearly improvise spontaneously in the moment. Yeah. Yeah, man, I, I, I agree with that. I mean, that's the unpredictability thing and, and fear is important too. Like um, mm -hmm. my, my hero, Colonel Bruce Hampton was like, one of, one of the things he said was the four T's of music are tone, taste, time, and threat of vomit. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you Dude, know, the, that more, guy, man. Holy cow. the more I've thought about that, like it's, it's true. You need to, you need to be on edge and like that the threat of vomit can be like not knowing what's coming next or knowing that you have to take it somewhere next that it hasn't been before. And I think as a writer and as a band leader, you part of the goal is to like push your musicians into those spaces um, and create environments for them that'll be fun to fun to explore and like hopefully reveal something new. Again, and, doing that non-verbally, right? Like in the moment almost. It's not like you're yeah. gonna game plan that in advance, but you just sort of look at them on stage or I don't know, you're like, it's all you, you know, do something where you just, but it's not, it's not verbally communicated. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that is where do you, how do you feel about, I mean, do you have, these cats are all people that, um, you know, well, I guess so going back to what I was saying before, the point I was trying to make before was that, uh, like you said, logistically, it's hard to go on tour. Um, obviously people have schedules and have other things going on, but you know, I think what I was trying to say before about Dan Horn Band and the Sam Band is that, uh, uh, you know, is that the Sam Grisman Band, not Sam Grisman, my another dear friend, this is Sam Blasucci from Mapache. I don't, do you know Mapache? Oh, cool. I, yeah. I just um, my friend Andrew just turned me on to them. We were uh, this bluegrass band I just toured with that we covered one of their songs. Are um, you kidding me? That, that, that's so sick because they are like most beautiful they're dear friends of mine and so sam is one sam and clay are in mapache but sam was also branched out and is has his own band now which is like the coolest thing i've ever i mean it is unbelievable man i mean it's what is that called it's just called sam band i mean i call it sam blasucci band but it's just called sam band and uh it's uh she's he's got a female sax female bassist percussionist drummer and then this guy, Stuart Forgey on guitar, him and Sam trade back and forth between Fender Rhodes and guitar. And it's cool. somewhere between like blue eyed soul and, you know, like sort of a steely dance. His, his original tunes are incredible. His voice is incredible. I'll send you a couple of clips, but the point is that um, I just wonder if you would get to the point and consider doing it for the love of the music. I just know that these guys are, they, they went on this tour and I don't think they made any, I don't think they're making any money. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And it's more like, I almost feel like if you're going to do something, even if it's a 60, 40 split, I mean, you're not a cover band. And to me, that's a perfect percentage of things to break down between original and, and covers, especially if you're doing cool covers. Mm -hmm. um, but would you just, at this point, I don't, I mean, outside of a, a name band, uh, it's freaking hard to tour, man. And I just wonder if you'd be willing to, you know, get the sprinter van if everybody's schedules worked out and hit the road for a couple of weeks, uh, you know, and, and just sort of bring some merchandise along. And cause that's what it was, man. I mean, they were playing to me. I had private concerts, dude. I was like having yeah. out of body. I was like, this is, this is unbelievable. And yet, you that's know, awesome. well, it is for me, you know, just because everybody has their own ego that the band's like, they recognize it's their for Sam. It was his first tour with his band, but you know they still want to see people show up on a Friday night instead of being at the, the Lane County Fair in, in Eugene. You know, and I just wonder if that's something that has crossed your mind. You know, just going yeah. out there and 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 just and just seeing the country, not just seeing the country, but playing for the people and and seeing what it's all about. You know, and that 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 is really the intention with the whole thing, and that that that's what I want to do with it. Um, and I think we all feel that way too. Like everybody is really here for the music first. Um, 
but then I, I also have to recognize that it's like my name on the band and yeah um you know ev everybody in the band is a professional musician and um and everybody no one's wrong or right everybody just has different um different expectations of what that means to go on tour in somebody's band even though it really is like a collective project and everybody's voice is a part of it at the end of the day it's it it's my thing so and it it's really important to me to take care of everybody and just make sure everybody knows they're valued um absolutely so it always feels you always feel more valued when you're getting a little bit of, of, of currency you know i did yeah and so I, right now i'm just i mean i just saw like the end i just want to say you're 100 right because the other things like mainland i just saw my buddy uh after the seattle show uh you know he had a horrible i didn't see it personally but he was just backstage just uh dan horn the leader he was just talking about just being treated not well at all by the bar i don't know if they weren't paying him what they said they would or you know these mm -hmm. things change on the fly and you know here you are they had a fun gig i mean they just had fun that's to me what it's about is <clears throat> if i'm going to show up and, and get these cats off i want them to be smiling and having fun and then you got to deal with all this other ancillary stuff. So it is stuff you're not even expecting. Um, mm -hmm. And so that is the challenge. But, um, you know, sometimes it's like, you know, you find this two-week pocket and you're like, well, you know, and you're right, everybody's professional, but, um, you know, maybe, you know, you, to me, like, that's, that's really the next, the, I don't know how you do that. I mean, that's because, but yet I just feel like it's an incredibly, uh challenging time for younger original artists to get their music out on the road uh, mm -hmm. even bands that are much farther down the road in some ways than you guys are in terms of involvement and uh you know they they they've been cut down to they've been relegated to a spring tour and a, and a fall tour and maybe mm -hmm. some festivals in the summer you know it's different than what it was and um you know that's something that I'm sure you're you're probably aware of, but I just wonder, like, uh, so when when is the next uh, forecast gig? Is there one planned for August yet, or not yet? Yeah, well, August um, August eighteenth is our next one. It's a Friday. 